What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Roll for Persuasion, your weekly podcast where I chat with creators and creatives in the tabletop gaming community. I uh, am very lucky to get to host this show because it means that I have met and gone to talk with many, many incredibly cool people. Um, I am incredibly lucky, incredibly blessed, and I am very lucky to get to be talking to our guest today for a second time. I'm very excited to catch up with them on everything uh, that he's had going on, some really cool news in his life. We will get to him in just a moment, because first off, I would like to give a shout out to my sponsors, Hero Forge. Hero Forge, as you may or may not know, are the uh, makers of some of the coolest custom miniatures for your tabletop games, D&D, Pathfinder, whatever it may be. You can go to heroforge.com and create whatever your mind can come up with. And if you can't, there's a good chance that they have an update coming out soon that will let you. I believe it's every Tuesday that they drop some super cool new features. They add ridiculous numbers of arms, alien weapons, uh, new species or design options. They're super cool. You can even print your miniatures in color. You can like design them. You can digitally paint them right there on the site, which is super trippy. So even if uh, even if you're not going to get color, it's a great way to mock up a character. Um, my my daily routine is something like create a new character in D&D Beyond for a campaign I'll never play, then go build that on Hero Forge for a miniature I'll never own, and uh, and then cry. But you don't have to cry. You can actually go buy your miniature from Hero Forge. They're awesome. We appreciate their support on the stream. Big fans of all that they do. And speaking of being a big fan, I am a big fan of today's guest. You know him from everything uh, because he does so much. The, the man that needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. I'm very excited to bring on James Intracasso. What is going on, James? Hey, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on uh, today specifically. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm very, very excited to uh, to dig into it and to talk about what is going on. 2020 has been a wild year. Um, to say in, the least. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and role playing games had a lot of cool stuff happen, and I had a lot of cool stuff happen in role playing games. So I'm excited to uh, to come here to talk to you, one of the cool people in role playing oh, games, about cool stuff in role playing. That uh, that is pretty much the synopsis of the show. Let's talk with the cool <laughs> people about the cool things they do. Um, which for you is a lot of really cool role playing stuff. I think the last time we talked was, in fact, I'm going to look right now. Cause it was, uh, it was early days of the pandemic, I think, which is just yes. how we, which is how we calendar everything now. Right. It's like, at what point in the pandemic right. did this actually happen? So let's look and see so that I get the date exactly right. Because I think it was early summer, maybe, maybe even late spring. And let's see just how much has happened in, oh, we're having to go back. Maybe it was earlier than I thought. I don't it know. Was, I, I want to, yeah, I want to say it was like early summer or something like that. It was before Burn Bright had come out. I think it was even before you announced Burn Bright, um, which is a game system. And we'll talk about in a second that you, uh, I guess, were the lead game designer for, correct? For, uh, for Roll20? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was part of a, a team of uh, designers that worked on it. And I was a co lead designer with, uh, with somebody else on that team. And uh, yeah, if we were talking before Burn Bright came out, I think that was 30 years ago. Um, that we may have <laughs> in twenty twenty time for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, and it, yeah, it was, uh, it was a wild, wild thing. Um, Burn Bright had it had been announced, uh, like true, uh, true, probably a year and a half ago, but its release date and stuff had not been right. set. It was like late yeah, summer, right? Late yeah. summer, early, early fall. Yeah. So yeah, 
So I, th- I think if I remember there, you couldn't talk about it too much at that time was, was maybe what happened. But, uh, but one thing we did talk about, and, and of course, everyone, if you don't know James, he is a fantastic game designer, credits on, with Wizards of the Coast, homebrew stuff, a very cool product that dropped today that we'll talk about in just a minute, Burn Bright, which I'm excited to talk about. James makes cool shit. That's just what I know about him. <laughs> He's a great, great guy. So when, when, we, when we talked last, one of, the thing, one of the things that we spoke about was this kind of ongoing blog series that you had with your dad, right? Which, which now has evolved into a whole thing. And I think you were even talking about it and thinking about it back then. But um, tell us kind of what, what that concept was and then what it is that has, uh, has dropped today publicly. Yeah, so it, I just checked my old tweets. It was like Christmas Eve last year. And I, I always spent, uh, well, I won't this year, but I usually spend Christmas Eve um, with my parents and, uh, and my wife and I go over and we spend it with my family um and uh, we do this italian tradition called the feast of the seven fishes anyway that's not important what that is important amazing. <laughs> is uh my dad was uh was telling goofy stories and interacting with his grandkids um and i fired off a tweet that was like hey you know wouldn't it be funny if i rewrote the monster manual with my dad from my dad's point of view and i showed yeah. him just the pictures just the art and the monster manual and asked him like what do you think this creature does? Where does it come from? What do you think its name is? That kind of thing. Uh, and then rewrote all of the lore and stat blocks uh, according to his point of view. And mm-hmm. it was like my most engaged with tweet ever at the time. Uh, and so I thought, oh, I should do this. So I said to him, because we were there together at the end of the night, I said, sure, would you be interested in doing this? And he said, yeah. Um, and so we started that way and I started to put some, uh, entries on the blog and people still like them, my blog world builder blog. Um, and, uh, and from there it was decided like, yeah, let's make this a book. Uh, and so now it is available in print and PDF. We did, um, 80 of the monsters in the, the monster manual. There are some that are missing and there's good reason why, um, you know, uh, some are missing because my dad likes some fantasy so like he knows what a dragon is right he knows what an orc is uh if i put those things in front of him um the other one is like some are easy to guess right uh you you put a fire elemental in front of somebody and they're probably going to say that looks like living flame that is angry and wants to light (laughs) things on fire right you know um and then the last thing is that like i didn't want him to do every single slad right you see you you do one slad you've kind of done them all so right. that was sort of the idea was like, if there were things that were similar, we only did one of them. Um, so a lot of humanoids and things like that got cut because he sort of knew what they were or, or guessed, but uh, but all of your classic D&D monsters are in there, um, including Beholders and Mind Flayers and, and things like that. Really, really fun. I got to work on it with uh, Hannah Rose, who's a great editor, uh, yeah. Daniel Kwan, Leona Maple, and Rich Lescaflair laid it out. And a huge, huge shout out uh, to uh, in the chat, I believe Lisa Penrose is here. Uh, who, uh, yes, is a, a big fan of my dad's monster manual uh, as a friend, uh, but also um, uh, from a DM's Guild perspective, is just an amazing uh, community manager and uh, and voice for the DM's Guild. Um, so thank you very much to Lisa for and, all. And has an open invite to be on the show, and I will actually be messaging you because you've been on my hit list, and so now's a perfect time to say I want you on the show. So I'll reach out to you later. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Nice, nice. Yes, you should definitely talk to Lisa. That one of the greatest people uh, in this hobby for sure in the world. In the world, yes. <laughs> Bold claim. I believe it to be true. 
So, so you're doing this with your dad, um, and the book, and I've, I've looked at, uh, I'm going to be buying the paperback cause I like to have things like in my hands, but, uh, the artwork and it looks super cool. Did you do, did you do new artwork for the monsters as your dad described them? Or did you use the, the official artwork? How did that work? So, uh, so we use the official artwork. Uh, I'm part of a program called the DM Skilled Adept program. Um, and so it's a program that's managed by wizards of the coast. Um, people who have uh, been very active on the DMs guild, uh, get selected for the program. Um, and essentially what that is, is, uh, you get two things. You get, um, hardcover books before they release, you are sent a copy of, um, to review. And you're also allowed to use art from any of the official 5e ah, products. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and, and with that, then the understanding is that you will use that content to make content that supports the official hardcovers. So sure. if you look in the DMs Guild Adept bar, you see a lot of things that tie directly to hardcovers. Um, this one ties directly to the Monster Manual, and it's something that I got uh, Wizards of the Coast approval on before I, I made it, right? And so that's, the, that's how you uh, are able to use art from that sort of thing. And I think it's, it works really well for this product because you can see the thing that my dad looked at and then see what he came up with and think like, oh yeah, I see that. Right? See like, where the connection is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm a lifelong D&D player. So uh, if I see a Lemur, right, the lowliest of low devils, um, I think, well, that's a Lemur. My dad looked at it and thought, this is a creature the size of a mountain, right? There's nothing in there for scale. Uh, yeah. or, and it looks like its bottom half in the current art looks like a mountain. And so it is the toughest creature in my dad's monster manual. It's a CR 30 creature that That's is crazy. the size of a mountain, right? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did that. So, so what, like walk me through then real quick, uh, and maybe pick one that just kind of like really made you laugh or blew your mind or, or whatever. Um, what was kind of the, was the interaction with him? Like, so you, you showed him the art and just said, what do you think this is? Or kind of, how did that go? Yeah, yeah. So, so we sort of established a, a protocol, right? There were a couple questions that I always asked him that by the end, I was just showing him the art and he would start talking because he knew sure, what I was sure. going to ask, right? And it's, where does this creature come from? What do people know about it, right? Like, what's the lore surrounding this creature? What does it do? Uh, and, and I started to ask when I realized that there was no frame of reference for scale, what size is it? How big is mm, this yeah. thing? Is it small? Is it... Um, that, that sort of thing. Uh, and then I would also ask follow-ups and clarifying questions uh, based on his responses. Uh, and what's the name, right? He always got to name the creature too. Um, and so the probably the one that uh, that he got the biggest kick out of, and, and me too, was the gelatinous cube. Um, okay. So when he looked at the gelatinous cube, was very he, you know he's like i see bones in in this thing floating around and it looks like an ice cube and um and so he thought like oh this is a this is a cold thing right like oh, it's okay. it's made yeah. of ice and yeah. he thought in his mind it wasn't killing the things inside it it was putting them back together and so in his mind it's like a resurrection cube that like uh, it swallows up dead bodies and then spits them back out alive. Um, yeah. And he he sort of said like, but you have to have died from exposure to cold in order for it to work. And so now there's all this lore about the creature, right? Yeah. That's like, hey, you can use this to save your dying friend, but your friend has to die from, uh, you know, from cold damage, basically. Right. 
And so like, will you, your friend who is dying, will you ray of frost them to death before whatever horrible curse or disease yeah. does so that they can be saved by this thing, right? Like there's a real interesting kind of uh, thing sure. there and a good hook for for GMs to use. Okay. Yeah, like if you're in like an Icewind Dale campaign and someone dies out in the winter, but you know that there's this resurrection cube in the mountains guarded by yetis or whatever, like are you going to kind of brave that, you know, hoping that you can get your friend there in time to drop them in this cube of life? Right, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so yeah, so that was a that was a big one, and the other one, you know, size was constantly shocking. He thought great. Mm -hmm. uh, he thought um, beholders were the size of like your fist, like a grapefruit. Okay. Um, and he the the one that like made total I'm sense. Imagine a thousand it. little tiny beholders just like flying exactly. through the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was his whole thing, right? Like they right. roll around in groups, so that he didn't think they could fly either. He thought, oh, yeah. oh well, obviously it rolls because it's round, yeah. and like basically turned them into like gremlins, like they love yeah. pranks and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and for. For bone devils, right? Bone devils, mm -hmm. giant devils made of bone with scorpion tails. He thought like, oh, this is an undead pixie, um, right? Because of the wings. And he, yeah. again, doesn't have a reference for size. So he thought they're really small. So that's what they are in my dad's monster manual is they're like these undead pixies um, that make people relive their moment of death. Um, so I don't know. There's like an old Buffy episode where Buffy and Angel go, they're, they're like ghosts in the high oh, school. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's very much like that. Like the these little um, fairies try to make you die the way they died over and over again. Yeah. 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 So That's so interesting that like it's the size thing that um, adds such an interesting and fun twist, you know, for people who are familiar with D&D to then make the character something totally different. You know, you would assume it would be like, oh, you know. It's like you said, it, it's not a gelatinous cube. It's a resurrection thing. But the size thing has such an interesting twist to the final product. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And it's really uh, it, that was a really fun, um, you know, aspect of it that, that we got to play with. But there were also, you know, other aspects where he thought a, a creature looked friendly, right? Like he, mm -hmm. he thought the cockatrice um you know he said like oh you know like it looks like it's laughing and and maybe it's having a good time and that sort of thing um so uh, very much taking it in in a, a different direction which was great that's pretty cool is it well so now that it's dropped and uh you know like like we mentioned before the before the stream seems to be making rounds and people are, are responding positively to it which is great um what are other ways that you can monetize your father <laughs> uh so uh so he is going to get a cut actually I, I should throw that out there i don't i don't believe in uh not paying authors for their work right sure um, yeah, pay artists <laughs> like seriously uh, this was a twitter rant i almost went on today pay artists pay writers doesn't matter the size of the project pay them okay go ahead absolutely absolutely yeah and i have had a few people um jokingly ask me if my my father is available for work uh if he ever finds out that that is happening um they will regret it uh, because he will take them up on it. Uh, and he's, uh, he's difficult to work with. I'll tell you what, uh, sure. no, no. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we have talked about doing some other books. Um, I actually won't be a DMs guild adept, uh, uh starting in 2021. Cause I'll be full okay. time with, uh, MCDM. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, so I don't know that I'll have the chance uh, like he, we could do, you know, my dad's tome of foes, right. Or, Right. my dad's uh, guide to monsters but uh but we wouldn't be able to use the art then because i won't be part of the adepts program right, anymore right. right and that kind of thing um so 
one of the things that I am toying around with, uh, if I had the time and all that, is um, my nephews uh, really love to draw their own monsters. Okay. Um, and so perhaps my nephew's monster manual uh, will be the next thing that comes up with their art illustrations. Uh, yeah. Right. And their lore. And I'll do the stat blocks um, for them. Uh, but that, that would be, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how the new job shakes out first. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Give, give it six months or so. See how that, uh, yeah. Well, so, so that let, let's talk about that then because um, it, that was actually a thing we discussed in our, when you did your first episode was your desire to move into the industry really on a full-time basis. And cause, cause you were still, I believe at the time kind of freelancing contracting. Um, you know, I don't know if you had another full-time job you were doing, but, but you meant, I remember you mentioning specifically, like, you know, the goal is to really make this the full-time thing and, and you have done that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it has happened. So, yeah. um, and I, it was exciting because I did make it happen with freelance stuff this year, sure, the, the second sure. half of the year, I was basically all, all role-playing games. Um, as far as that went, uh, but it, it's exciting to have a job and I, uh, I'm pretty, I, I, I like the freelance life because you get to pick and choose who you work with and you're not right, with right. one person all the time. So I'm pretty picky if I'm going to be full-time. Uh, and I've done a lot of work this last year with, um, MCBM and I, I really like the company. I really like their values. I really like what their plans for the future are. And I really like the products that they work on. So that was very much appealing to me to be able to say, uh, yeah, I, I, this is like a place that not only do I want to work for them, I want to help grow what yeah, they're doing. Yeah. 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 And, and if you can, then, um, what, what is your role going to be there? I think you said you officially start 2021, like yeah. full time there. So, so what will you be doing? So I'll be a line, what's called a line developer. Um, okay. Essentially, I will be uh, writing and producing and editing RPG content. So I will be um, hiring authors, uh, freelance authors to work on stuff. Um, a lot of it at the start will be 5e stuff um, because that's what uh, MCDM makes and the future is kind of wide open. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but uh, first thing I'll be working on is a, a magazine called Arcadia. Uh, I've okay. actually already been working on it. You'll, that'll launch in uh, January, probably. Question mark. We'll see. Um, so, uh, so sure. that is, yeah, I can't. I'm I'm trying to not get fired before I start. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but they that that magazine will be coming out, um, and uh, it's already we've already got a bunch of articles written and laid out and ready to go. Um, and so uh, that'll be like supplemental material. There's an article about. Uh, new way to use mounts in your campaign and awesome mount stat blocks so you can ride basilisks and giant nice. toads and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, adventures and uh, player subclass options and stuff like that. All, all kinds of new things to add to your game. And then we're also working on Kingdoms of Warfare right now, which is the Kickstarter that MCDM had uh, last year. Um, so, uh, you know, that we're going to be getting that out uh, to everybody. Uh, and, uh, and that's been a lot of fun to work on too. So it's, it's just a, a great ride to be able to work on role-playing games all day, every day. That's awesome. And congratulations, because obviously that came after a lot of hard work and like, like you said, a lot of freelancing work and, um, a lot of grinding and, and it's very cool that now you kind of get to step into that bigger role, especially mm -hmm. that, that whole kind of developing new products and new lines. I, I imagine that's very exciting and interesting because of the potential, um, for growing new things in this, like quickly blossoming industry, right? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really is very much uh, great to be able to grow with the industry, right? Um, this is, uh, you know, I, when I started doing uh, things professionally uh, in the in the role-playing game world, um, there were not nearly as many people buying the games and there sure, weren't as many yeah. people designing and creating and to see both of those grow is really great um there's a lot of amazing things happening in indie games that people should be checking out uh right now in fact uh the aforementioned lisa penrose just released mundane magic uh which people should check out it's a great rpg uh where you play uh very powerful uh, time-altering crones who have messed up the time stream and have to, you know, head down to reality to fix it, and then things go haywire. Uh, so, uh, so that's a good one to uh, to check that out. Is, that's that's an excellent uh, kind of scene-setting thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and there, so there, and there's all kinds of great games that you can check out. Chris Bissett's, uh Wretched and Alone uh, SRD uh, has created thousands, not well, maybe not thousands, but a lot of uh incredible solo games that people can go play um and i could sit here and just list indie games for the next half hour so uh but but definitely we just check do it out. a stream of all that one day just this game and this game and this game and this game <laughs> right right exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> um, well, let's let's talk real quick then about um some of the stuff that, that you had been working on and uh, mm-hmm. one thing i'd kind of like to hear from you about is uh, you had been running a, a very popular podcast up until <laughs> recently uh, which which you kind of like stepped away from because you, you're so busy, I assume, and you've kind of got these other responsibilities. Um, I'm kind of curious for you, uh, what was that like um, kind of moving on from something you spent so much time, you know, kind of putting into? What, what was that process like for you? Uh, so that's a great question. And I could tell uh, it was time because... So, so anytime you work on a podcast, a game, whatever, right? Um, it's always work. Uh, yeah. Like, I, you know, people think you're just shouting into a microphone and and the checks come pouring in, baby. Uh, and they must and, have my address wrong then, because I'm right, still waiting right. on, the, on the pour in check. Yeah, exactly. And like, you probably spend way more time doing stuff for this podcast that isn't talking with other people uh, right. than than people know, right? Um, and, uh, and you make very little money doing it that I do know. Um, so, uh, because I, I did it, uh, for a long time. And, and so, but at the point where it's like, whoo, this is feeling like a lot of homework. Right. Um, and, yeah. and I wasn't to the point where like, it was starting to feel to me that doing the interviews was not as fun because I knew the interview meant a lot of other work. Right. And I wasn't sure. excited to do that work and I wasn't. Um, and I thought like, oh, I'm not giving the listeners uh, what they deserve, right? Or, or I'm mm. going to start to not if I if this continues, right? I'm getting burnout. Right. Uh, it's becoming not as fun for me anymore. Um, and so uh, I thought, all right, it's time to move on, right? Like it's time for me to to go do the things that I am excited to do that I feel this is getting in the way of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and also to give the listeners something that they deserve. So I talked to a great, um, podcaster, uh, Amber over on the geek Spective network. Um, they go by rocket orca online. She's great. She's amazing. Um, so go, uh, check out Amber, um, and check out, she is the new host of tabletop Babble, uh, along with crossways GM, um, John and, uh, Kenny, uh, who, 
uh, Wolfmir on uh, on Twitter, um, and they uh, they sort of tag team the interviews, which is really smart, right? Like they sometimes it'll be one, sometimes it'll be the other. But Amber's the showrunner uh, okay. and takes care of everything, and uh, and it's amazing. They've they've had amazing guests on. Uh, it's really good. They didn't miss a beat, right? Like I I was gone one week, the next week they were there doing it. Um, and I couldn't be happier with the the direction they've taken the show and everything, but it's totally theirs now, right? We signed a contract. I said, this is yours. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want me to be hanging over them. Like you should do right. it one way right. or another. It, when you give somebody a gift, they should be allowed to use it however they want. That's really cool. And and it's especially cool that um, I assume because of the time that you've spent in the industry, perhaps on the show and kind of podcasting that you had people that you could reach out to and say, Hey, this is a thing that I've cared very much about. Would you like to care about it now? And, and kind of know that you could hand that off cleanly, right? Exactly. Yeah, that was a 100% what I was uh, looking to, to do. And, uh, you know, Amber had been on the show and uh, also has her own podcasts and mm-hmm. actual plays and stuff. And I was, you know, there was no doubt. I've seen her do panels and stuff like that, um, that she was the person to, uh, to take the project and, and head it up. Very awesome. Well, I want to take a quick second to give a shout out to another one of the show's sponsors, uh, one of those people who makes sure that the checks pour in. Uh, just kidding, because we're all, you know, poor, creative, struggling. Um, but no, they are genuinely a great support of the show, and they help make sure the show happens. Friend of the show from literally since it launched, and that is Talon and Claude. They were in chat earlier, but there's a very good chance that they are making cool products right now. Um, Anthony over at Talon and Claude just makes beautiful custom uh, wood accessories for your games we're talking dice vaults uh, dm screens some other products that i don't know that he's announced yet but that are coming very soon um, i love their stuff i have a cabinet full of it right now so if you're looking for a great way to store your dice or a great screen to run your game from uh, behind or spell slot trackers or just other cool things that they are coming out with definitely go check them out talentandclaw.etsy.com um, one of the cool things that I love that Anthony does is he's always thinking of what is something cool that, that no one else is doing. So recently over the summer, he did a Kickstarter for whiskey barrel dice vaults. And these dice vaults are made out of literal whiskey barrels. You can't get them anymore. They were limited run, um, but they are gorgeous and they smell amazing. Uh, and that is the kind of cool stuff that they're doing and they're super plugged in with the community. So, uh, we appreciate having them support the show for hanging out with us in stream and just making really cool products. So check them out. Talonandclaw.etsy.com. Uh, it's probably too late for Christmas, but I believe we should normalize post Christmas gift giving. Um, so you can still check them out and make that happen there. Yeah, absolutely. Town and claw. You're amazing. Very cool stuff. Um, just super big fans of there. So I'm, it's, it's fun to get to partner with other creators. It's a cool part of the gig. Definitely. Um, speaking of partnering with other creators, check out this segue, uh, talk with me a bit about burn bright because it is a game that i have not gone to play that i'm super curious about and that um you know what better way for me to find out more about it than actually get to talk with you now that it's kind of been out in the world for a few months uh how did it come to be kind of what is the game what makes it unique uh i'm just gonna sit back you go sure so uh roll 20 uh, i had done some work with roll 20 on some DD stuff uh, I had made a free adventure that you can still get called the master's vault meant to introduce you to roll 20 and to, uh, to five E right. Like mm-hmm. kind of at the same time. Um, and so after we had done that, I had said like, are you into making more of your own content? Have you ever thought about making your own game? And they said, yes, we have funny. You should bring that up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we started this conversation rolling and roll 20 said like, would you like to, Uh, propose to us like pitch a budget and assemble a team and like the only thing we're going to say is we'd like to see something in like the sci-fi vein probably sure yeah um 
And so, uh, so I got in touch with a guy named Jim McClure, uh, okay. and Jim, uh, and I then brought cat cool and Darcy Ross onto the team. And we started to create this concept, uh, for a science fantasy role-playing game because, um, so Darcy's a scientist, but nobody else really was. And none of us are astrophysicists. Uh, okay. and so we thought, well, it will be easier if we can just say, magic uh <laughs> instead and uh, and get everything going and so yeah. it takes place in this world uh this galaxy um that is surrounded on all sides by a phenomenon called the burn uh and the burn uh no one's really sure what it is it looks like this bright kind of orangey flame um and anything that touches the burn disappears is never seen or heard from again and the burn is also slowly closing in and constricting the galaxy Ooh, uh, so okay. planets people all that kind of stuff are disappearing um and so that was sort of the that's the the pitch for burn bright um now in burn bright right there's all kinds of problems that come with the burn resource shortages refugee problems um people disappearing uh no one's sure what caused the burn uh and then of course greedy corporations trying to profit in the panic and that kind of thing of course you play heroes uh and those heroes are saying like hey it might be the end of all things that is happening but it's happening slowly and it's no reason to become a bad person, right? A lot of apocalypse Mm. stories show us like the good person who turns into a monster. Right. Um, this is, uh, this assumes you will not become a monster. Um, so, uh, and then you play, there are no humans in burn, bright. You play, uh, one of eight alien species, um, who has different superpowers based on their anatomy. Um, so like one species is a giant mech, uh, and you've got big guns mounted on you and you're, you could be very powerful. You can fly, you can survive in space, uh, and you can okay. carry your friends around in your chest, uh, like a mech if you want to, um, you know, another species is a, a telepathic swarm of, uh, a hundred thousand bugs that acts as one being. Okay. Um, and so they're telepathic and they have swarm powers and things like that. Uh, there's cat people who do a lot of things you would expect cats to be able to do. They're very, uh, agile, um, and, uh, they are very good at being sneaky, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, there's crystal people who can enter periods of intense focus and heat up their crystal bodies. Um, and so, uh, so you play these different characters, uh, who are doing things, uh, good things for people who are suffering in the time of the burn, which okay. is called the burn bright. Uh, so that is the, the basic idea. It does use a unique system, um, that we created for burn bright that takes advantage of roll 20. Um, and, uh, and it's a, a really fun skill-based system, kind of like fate, uh, or anything like that, that you okay. use. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, what we like to say is it is playable, um, anywhere but it is optimized for roll 20 and you can also only buy it through the roll 20 marketplace um but if you had roll 20 open to reference rules you could play it physically at a table uh otherwise you know like you could pull roll 20 up on your phone or or laptop and and play at a table uh not that anybody is really playing at a table (laughs) these days and you play by yourself at a table right like just (laughs) throw the dice off the wall um, what, what was one of the, uh, unique challenges and this might extend beyond burn bright. I don't know if you've written or been involved in the development of any other full systems like that, but what, what is a challenge in creating a system, creating a game that people might not expect? I, I assume most people think of things like 
like balance and making sure, you know, that one thing isn't too overpowered and, you know, cohesion. Was there something unexpected or that people might not think of that was actually a, a difficult thing to kind of figure out? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is uh, when you're trying to figure out a fun game, right? Um, uh, that's where a, a lot of balance can come in. Certainly balance between character options, right? You don't want one character to feel more sure, powerful sure. than the other, that kind of thing. But uh, like you said, that's expected. I think it's really coming down to how do we make this fun, right? Um, mm, yeah. And how do we how do we make it fun? And and for us, the challenge was like we wanted failure to be fun. Um, okay. So that that was a big design goal, and uh, I was incredulous about that uh but we did make that work i think based on play testing responses and that i have fun failing and players do when i play the game with them um so uh so that was a a, a really big thing and then the other thing is um this was the first time i had made a game kind of from the ground up mm. and so getting players to engage with the game in the way that you would like them to without saying you cannot do X, mm, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Without every game. Them. Yeah. Every game has some, some like, eh, you can't do it this way, but it's more important to entice the players. That's, sure, that's where sure. the fun comes from. Right. So saying like, this is the way, you know, we, we lay it down and, and if you do it this way, so like one big thing is, um, we want you to use skills you're bad at, Right. Um, and so part of that is making failure fun. But the other part of that is saying when you use skills you're bad at, you start to build up a resource and that resource lets you use your most awesome abilities. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And so so you're rewarded then for even attempting, uh, even if you fail with that skill, um, a, uh, a, a skill with a skill you're not great at. And so we're always sort of that was one of the things that we were looking at is like. When you make your system really good at one thing, people are always going to want to do that one thing. So how do you get right, them to do yeah. other things? Uh, that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that question of how do we make it fun? Because it seems like a very simple question on the surface. But when you think about it, there are layers that you start to unpack this idea of like, what is fun? Like, what what does our game think fun is? What will what kind of players and do we want to play and what kind of fun will they have? Because you know, everyone's fun to one degree or another is different, right? So I would imagine you have to kind of pick like, okay, this is what we think fun is. And this is how we're going to shape things around it. Does that make sense? Does it that does. seem fair? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's, uh, and, and that's one reason why, especially when you have a big game, uh, like burn bright that has a lot of character options and you're meant to play it for several sessions. Um, play testing can be pretty important, right? Uh, and sure, I know this yeah, is a debate yeah. in the, in the RPG community recently. I definitely think there are plenty of games that, uh, you know, uh, if people don't play test them, that is fine. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you have to play test every single thing, especially if what you're putting out is smaller, um, sure. and smaller doesn't mean that it is worse. It just means that there's probably less chance for something to go wrong in edge cases, which is kind of right. what play testing is about. Um, and so, uh, so with play testing, uh, you know, we, ha uh, we do a lot of, uh, of, of finding where the fun is. Right. And we, we changed a lot of things from 
we had a, an alpha play test and then we had a beta play test that was open to roll 20 subscribers. And, uh, you would be playing a much different game, uh, if we had never play tested. Um, and it would be way, way clunkier. And I think sure, not yeah. as fun for most people. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's like you get research and survey about it, but that's how it works. Well, it's always nice, I think, in any project to get external eyes on it because you reach a point where you are so in the weeds, you can't see past your own um, kind of your own preconceptions about the thing you're working on. Right. And so then you get someone else who, who thinks of something you haven't thought of or, you know, who doesn't look at skill A and go, oh, this this skill is for this. They go, well, what if I did this? And you go, oh, we didn't think about that. Um, so so I think in any creative process, it's always valuable um, in my opinion, to to get any amount of eyes on it. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you guys were able to do that testing and kind of find that sweet spot to really make the game what you wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, uh, you know, um, playtesting is pretty much always part of my process um, mm-hmm. because it really helps me as a, as a designer to do that, even if it's just me running it for a group of people, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it, it very, very helpful. Uh, I would say worth its weight in gold, especially you do, you get so close and you get so close up on this is the purpose of this thing is this, and it's doing that, right? Like I designed right. it and it's doing the thing. And you, like you said, you lose track of like, oh, but it also does these three other things that I had not counted on. And right. that's a problem. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's super cool. And, and, uh, what, what is it like putting anything, I guess, like, like the, my dad's monster manual, putting something that you've, um, burn bright that you've spent your time and energy creating finally saying, okay, hands off, you know, pencils up, like, now the world has it. Um, what is what's that feeling like once you've kind of put that out into the universe? Ah, uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's great. Um, so often uh, biting my fingernails, right? Um, eh, nervous to see like what's the reaction going to be? Are people going to mm-hmm. like this thing that I and a team of people have spent a lot of time putting together? Um, certainly is is a a nerve wracking thing, but uh, it's also very rewarding. Um, to, uh, to put out there and to, uh, to give to people and to, and to say we did it. Um, and it's also my favorite part of, uh, putting stuff out there is hearing stories about how people use it and also uh, seeing what it inspires other creators to make, right? Does somebody want to mm-hmm. make a show that uses the stuff or art or, uh, their own, you know, uh, like if somebody makes my mom's monster manual after this, uh, or my parents' monster manual, or, or a my dad's monster manual with their dad, that's awesome. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and so um, I am excited to see uh, where things go. It's always uh, a big, big relief, um, and it's it's nice because you get to take the time then and and enjoy that if you can. If you're not moving on to the next project, which is often the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine that's a, a uniquely um, fun or special thing about uh, the game industry, and particularly probably tabletop, is that um, you know when you make music or you're doing video production or anything like that, you're putting a final product out into the world for people to consume and view. When you make something like like a monster manual or a game system, not only are you putting that out there for people to consume and use, but you you're putting it out there for them to put into their own world and stories, right? Like if if uh, if Matt Mercer pulls out, you know the 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 magical healing cube or whatever from from the monster whatever um, or from the my dad's monster manual into a critical role game, or somebody puts Burn Bright on a stream, now people are are taking what you've created and they're building something new with it. 
um, versus simply putting a static product into the world. Just, uh, I, I just imagine that's a, that's a cool feeling too, right? To see something you made used to create even more. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It is, uh, it's, it's good and it feels, um, it feels like you're part of the community and feels like you're growing the community, uh, which is always, uh, the goal, right? Like get more sure. and more people to play and enjoy these games. Uh, cause I do think role-playing games has like a, a branding issue, <laughs> uh, in that, like, there is not a good elevator pitch still for role-playing games. People are like, yeah, tell people to watch critical role. Sure. Will you watch three hours <laughs> of a thing uh, that uh, that its first episode begins in medias race? Um, right. You know what I mean? Like it's it's hard. It's hard to get people uh, into this hobby. And um, yeah. so the, the more we can generate excitement about it, the more people are going to want to check it out. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of excitement, anything that you are excited about in the community, in your own life, uh, just something coming up, obviously new job starting, you know, fully soon. Um, anything just in particular, you're like, man, you know, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about blank. Oh, wow. Um, so I am, I am very pumped, uh, about a lot of different things. Um, so I already mentioned mundane magic, which I am super pumped. I think people should, uh, should definitely check that out and, uh, and pick that up. And I am also, uh, excited, uh, I'm about to finish a Kickstarter for fantastic layers. Um, so the Kickstarter is done, but we're about to deliver fantastic layers to people which is a book of yeah. 5e layers that is gonna uh, go out um and people can drop those uh into their games so that's very cool um i think we may have talked about that uh uh a little while ago maybe not i don't know um <laughs> it's been so long it's been 37 years who knows it has been 37 years yeah um so that's uh that's what i'm really excited but i'm also uh i i just want to encourage everybody to uh to keep their eye on the uh the indie scene uh in tabletop role playing games and see what's going on it's been great to see that growing i think it's going to have a really big year in 2021 um and uh and i am really 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 excited uh for my friend jeff stormer is putting out a game uh called oh, what a uh, terrible uh, terrible everyone can wear the mask for um, my internet and it to is go down. inspired by uh by of course uh, spider-man into the spider-verse um, but this idea that like anyone can be a superhero, it's uplifting, it's hopeful, it's everything a superhero role-playing game should be. Uh, hey, and James. people should definitely check that out. Yes. Can, can you, okay. My internet freaked out. You said, I am so, so excited. And then my stream froze for a half second. So can you take everything you just said and just say it again? I can. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, uh, I am very, very excited for Jeff Stormer's game. Uh, anyone can wear the mask. Um, ah, okay. Yes. yes. And so it's a game about being a superhero, uh, and it really captures the essence of being a, a superhero. Jeff, um, is great game designer. He did, he wrote a, a game that you can play at Olive Garden. Uh, if you order the, uh, soup, salad and breadsticks, never ending, uh, uh, meal, uh, which okay. obviously is hard to play right now in a pandemic, sure, but, sure. um, it's, it's really fun. He's got a lot of really great games. Mission accomplished is another one of his that is really, really fun. Um, uh, and he's just a great, wonderful human. Uh, so uh, you should go check that out. You should go check out mundane magic. Those are the two games I am excited for that are coming out this month. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, keep an eye on those. And if people want to follow you, where can they find you online to, uh, check out your work and kind of keep up to date on whatever you have going on? 
Yeah, Twitter's the great place to follow me. Uh, I'm at James Intercasso, I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. And uh, you can also check out my blog, uh, worldbuilderblog.com. I do updates there. Um, and you can sign up for my mailing list there, too. Uh, I usually uh, send out like a little uh, coupon when I release a product so you get some money off. There you go. That's a nice little plug. That's the way to do it. Um, well, thank you so much for joining. Uh, it's been awesome. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, for the people who don't know, this show is also a podcast. In fact, it is typically a podcast. Uh, we stream um, only the uh, the most exclusive and best interviews here on Twitch. But really, when I think about it, aren't all the episodes exclusive and the best? So anyway, go check out the podcast. Go to rollforpersuasion.com to listen to all previous episodes. But what you should know is if you are one of my Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash rollforpersuasion, you get access to a special bonus segment of the episode, which we will record as soon as I end this stream. But it's where I hang out with my guests for 10, 15 more minutes. We just chat uh, usually about anything that isn't D&D. I think last time James was on, we talked about Castlevania. Um, for a bit, which then got me to watch the, the Castlevania cartoon on Netflix. So it was a, a highly beneficial conversation with me. Um, but it's always fun seeing what I get to talk about with my guests. And if you want access to that, you can support the show at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion, or just subscribe to the podcast on the podcast app or service of your choice. Uh, I very much appreciate that if you so take the time, but we'll record that after we hang up here. But I want to thank you guys uh, who are watching for hanging out with us on stream today. James, it was super awesome to have you on. I appreciate it. It's always good chatting with you. And uh, it's exciting to see all the different things that you are doing in the industry. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. This is a great show. Uh, it's awesome to hear other creators and, and chat with them. So thank you for everything you're doing for the community. I really appreciate it. Well, glad to uh, do whatever my small part might be. I'm just like I get to talk to people like you. So thank you. I, I appreciate it. And of course, thank you to everyone watching and listening because you guys are what allow me to continue doing this show. Um, it was always fun to chat and talk with you. So if you want to come follow me on Twitter at Roll Persuasion, you can chat with me there. If you want, you can shoot me an email, Andrew at RollPersuasion.com. Check out the site. I sell merch on there too. If you are bored and want to buy merch, you can go check it out. But uh, if you are able, leave a review on Podchaser.com or Apple Podcasts because that helps me get more people to listen to the show, which is good when you are a podcast. But anyway, guys, this has been Roll for Persuasion. Thank you so much for joining. And until next time, enjoy your games. Mm -hmm.